you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, greetings and welcome into this holiday edition of 48 Days Online Radio. Going to do something a little different today. Usually, we go through questions. Always a lot of questions, great ones from you, the listeners. Today, I'm going to take a little diversion from that. We're in between Christmas and New Year's, so I'm going to take a holiday liberty here. going to talk about, does God want us to be rich? Now, if that topic turns you off, just skip this one. You can join us again next week. Come back. We'll be back into the regular questions. But this is a topic that I keep running into again and again and again. What is God's attitude about us being rich? Is it okay to want money or is it more godly to not want money? I mean, where are we on this continuum? I'm just going to share some ideas. I read a book recently. It's a new book. It's called How Rich People Think. Now, I don't even know the author, Stephen Siebold. I don't know anything about him, but he's researched how rich people think, and he's got a book, and he put up some tips about how rich people think differently. And he, what he found is that it has little to do with money itself. It has to do with our thinking, and thus the title of the book, How Rich People Think. Now, I'm not giving just a raving endorsement of the book. I think it's interesting reading for anybody. I think it'll stimulate your thinking on is your thinking in line with doing better. But now there is the rub anyway. Does everyone really want to do better financially? Frankly, I'm not sure. I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of misgivings about having money. Money was dangerous. Money put you opened up you to temptations and you're really better off, probably more godly in the long run, to not have any. So there was a kind of a pride in being poor. Well, as I started studying this myself, I thought, wow, I'm not sure I want to live my life like that. And as I, as I studied the scripture, and certainly other people's inspired writings along with that, I thought, you know what? I'm not sure that we can really make a case for that that that's going to please our Heavenly Father. Now, I'm not going to try to be a theologian here. I know I get a lot of questions that really are theological questions. I welcome those. It challenges me to dig deep, try to refine my own method of living out my faith. So I'm going to just share some things today. Again, what, what I'm finding is that there is a lot of real animosity toward people who have money. And that often surprises me. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. Let me just kind of set the stage here. Let me, let me give you, here's, a, here's our scripture for the day, a quotation for the day. I already gave it away. It is a scripture. It comes from Psalms 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, 
that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now that's not an isolated verse about prospering. There's lots of them. I mean, we know that the Bible talks more about money than probably any other one thing. It talks about prayer very little, but it talks about money a whole lot. Yes, it knows we, it can get us in trouble, but it can also be a, an amazing tool to do good in the lives of our family and those beyond that. Well, there's a couple other scriptures. Psalms 35, 27, let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And God is pleased when we are prospering. I mean, think about it in terms of just your own biological family. Are you happy if your children are prospering or are you happier, more pleased with them if they're broke, can't pay the electric bill? I mean, no, really, I have three kids and my kids are all different and they're all different in terms of their attitudes about money. But they, they view wealth in different ways. I'll have to admit that Jared, who you hear me talk about with whom I wrote the recent book, wisdom meets passion lives in Mombasa, Kenya. I mean, they love a minimalist life. He makes a little furniture when he feels like it. I don't think they've got anything. Well, I, I'm other than a mattress perhaps, but I don't think they've got anything in their house that isn't just simple furniture that he made. Now it's not that Jared doesn't know how to make money. He does. But if he gets it, he very readily gives it away. Now what that does is that seems to open up a conduit through which more money flows. Now Jared's always had that kind of mentality when he was a little kid. We used to have him empty his pockets before he went downtown Nashville at night because if he had anything in his pocket, he'd give it away. It's just his nature. He just gives it away. He figure he's, he doesn't need it and he needs very little. But because of that attitude, he also attracts money. People that want to be involved in the things that he's involved in. People want to be a part of the same causes that he's committed to in opportunities in business. I mean, he works with a major coffee brand in Africa as their branding manager. They pay him way beyond what his needs are. And he then has excess funds that he can give away, that he can do whatever he wants to. It's not that he increases his style of living. No, they keep looking for ways they can decrease their style of living. So it's not that he pads his bank account or his 401k or his stock portfolio. No, he could care less about those things. But his ongoing work, doing great work, seems to attract money. Now in this article, well in the book, How Rich People Think, and then there was an article, and I'll link to the article in the podcast notes today. So I'll put it there again. I'm going to spend just a few minutes here. I don't think I'm going to go the full 48 minutes today, but I'm just going to spend a little bit of time talking about this whole mentality about being rich. In this book, the author Stephen Siebold says, average people think money is the root of all evil. Rich people think poverty is the root of all evil. Now think about that a little bit. I mean, there are a lot of people that think um, that rich people are somehow lucky or dishonest. I mean, there's a lot of that. I'm going to read you in a little bit some of the comments 
put up after this article was posted. Article was posted at Yahoo Finance, and there were over 6,000 comments and some of the most hateful, angry, spiteful comments I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it just made me cringe to scan through a few of those. Now, I'll share a few of those with you here in a little bit. Siebold said, average people have a lottery mentality. Rich people have an action mentality. Now, you see what happens when the lottery gets up to a really high figure. Who is it that stands in line to buy tickets? Do you see wealthy people standing in line to buy tickets? No, never. Not going to happen. The people who are there are the people who can afford it least. People who are taking their paychecks and buying lottery tickets because they are firmly convinced that becoming rich is a matter of luck. Average people think the road to riches is paved with formal education. Let me give you another version of this out of his book here. Okay. Average people think the road to riches is paved with formal education. Rich people believe in acquiring specific knowledge. That's what they do. They think that they look for any form of education that makes them wealthier. It may not be formal education. You know, just this week I was talking to a little gal who, you know, we've mentored for some time and tried to help her get ahead. She has student loan debts from years ago that's unpaid every year. If she has any IRS refund, it's garnished because they take it to pay those old student loan debts that did her no good at all. What she wants to do more than anything is go back to school. She's right now figuring out a way to borrow more money to go back to school. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details on that or her particular situation, but in her particular situation, I think it'll do nothing but put her in more debt. Can average people think the road to riches is paved with formal education? Rich people believe in acquiring specific knowledge. So the real question is, what can you do to acquire specific knowledge to solve a problem that can make you rich? It may not have much to do with having a formal degree. Average people long for the good old days. Rich people dream of the future. You know, sometimes I'm almost embarrassed about how excited I am about looking toward the future, especially here right at the beginning of the year. Man, I can hardly contain myself because I'm so excited about starting a new year. I mean, when we were going around yesterday, just before saying grace for a Christmas meal, talking about what we're thankful of, I could not stop thinking about how thankful I am for the beginning of a new year. And it just, it's just what it does to me. I, I don't dream about the old days. I wouldn't go back a moment in time. Even those things were painful lessons were part of the process to give me the opportunities that I experienced today. I'm excited about the future. And we see that again and again and again. Average people earn money doing things they don't love. Now listen to this. Now we talk a lot about the kind of things here that, you know, doing what you love. Average people, this book says, in How Rich People Think, average people earn money doing things they don't love. Rich people follow their passion. And we've talked about that over and over and over again. Follow your passion. You don't have to just bite the bullet, do things you don't love to be responsible and practical. No, that leads to a life of mediocrity and ultimately being disappointed that you didn't follow your heart. 
Average people set their financial expectations so low, they're never disappointed. World-class or rich people set their financial expectations high, so they're always excited. If you set your goals low enough, you'll never be disappointed. You'll always hit your goals. Personally, if I always hit my goals, I'd be mortified. I'd know that I hadn't set the bar high enough. And this is kind of like the high jumper who's approaching the bar. If he always clears the bar, we don't really know how good that high jumper is. It's only when he or she trips the bar that we have some accurate measurement of how good they really are. I want to know how high I can go until I trip the bar. So I don't worry about tripping the bar. What I worry about is clearing it every time, knowing that I'm not stretching myself enough. Just part of how I'm wired. Average people believe you have to do something to get rich. Rich people believe you have to be something to get rich. A lot of people that I see who end up wealthy focus more on what they were becoming than what they were doing or what they were having. They get the order reversed. They think you have to have, and then you'll do or be. Where wealthy people see it the other way around, they focus on becoming the person they want to become, and then some other things kind of line up in their lives. Some other things show up. Average people teach their children how to survive. Rich people teach their kids to get rich. Again, with my own children, I you know, look at the differences in them in terms of what they're doing. I mean, my oldest son have his, has his own business. I mean, he's got big plans about what they want to do. They built a um, 5,000 square foot house a couple years ago. They have seven kids and he knows it takes money to keep all those kids in food and clothes and college aspirations. So he has some pretty big goals because of that. My second son, Jared, has much different attitude about money. He really doesn't care about it. If he gets any, he gives it away. But again, that seems to act as a magnet for him having more money come his way, more resources that he can direct. Ashley, my youngest, married to Nathan, former banker. They're very conservative in their approach. And yet I'm blown away at what they've accomplished when they're 32 years old. I mean, their retirement is totally taken care of. They don't have to do anything because of funds they have set aside and how they're growing. I mean, they're buying rental houses very carefully, one at a time, not to have a quick return, but to know over the long haul, those are going to create more wealth for them. Very different approach. So even in my own children, I see different approaches to how they're going to end up wealthy. And with nobody really talking about that, that's their goal. Their real goal is to do something with excellence, knowing that money has a tendency to just show up. You know, my buddy, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, uh, you hear me talk about him often. I love his thinking about this topic and many others, but in his book, Thou Shall Prosper, which I highly recommend as a balanced approach to the biblical principles of understanding money, but uh, we, we asked him one time when I had him here in our guys group on a Wednesday morning, ask him about the idea. Does God want us to be rich? His response is God wants us to be obsessively preoccupied with the needs of others. End of story. That's all he said. Now, what do you think happens if we're obsessively preoccupied with the needs of others? Well, my experience is money tends to show up often in unexpected ways. 
it's not a matter of taking from somebody else. I mean, that's a scarcity mentality. If we see money as a pie, then if I take a piece, there's less for you. But that's not the way money operates. Money multiplies itself. Money appears out of nowhere. Money creates itself. A lot of ways we can demonstrate that principle. Well, from the book, How Rich People Think, average people would rather be entertained than educated. Rich people would rather be educated than entertained. I mean, if you walk in our house on a holiday week like this, I I suspect there are parades and special programs on. I'm sure they're wonderful. Um, I'm sure that I would probably enjoy it if I just sat down, but it just doesn't rank very high on my list of what is appealing. Now in this week, being in between where things are a little slower, I don't have any speaking engagements lined up. Demands are a little less. Boy, I just surge ahead in planning for the next year. I'm creating curriculum to go with wisdom meets passion that I'm going to be teaching this next year. So I'm taking this week in between to really work on that. I'll probably read double the number of books that I normally do in this period of time. Got a couple for Christmas that I want to add to my list right here at the end of the year. I mean, those are the things that appeal to me. Watch yourself in terms of how much you need entertainment. If entertainment is high in your list, chances are your personal development is suffering as a result of that. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Well, you know, I'm going to introduce a little music here. Now, you know that I start off each week with taking care of business. A little clip right from the beginning. Never have I played the entire song. I'm going to play the entire song. This is Bachman Turner Overdrive taking care of business. But it's interesting when you really listen to the song. And I play just the music and just that little phrase taking care of business have a licensing agreement with Sony to use that at the beginning and the end of my podcast, pay them every year for that privilege, delighted to do so. I just think it's a cool song, but I want to play it through because you're going to hear some things in here that we don't really focus on every week. When we hear this little clip, you get up every morning from your alarm clocks, warning, take the eight fifteen into the city. There's a whistle up above and people pushing people shoving and the girls who try to look pretty, And if your train's on time, you can get to work by nine and start your slaving job to get your pay. If you ever get annoyed, look at me. I'm self-employed. I love to work at nothing all day and I'll be taking care of business. You know, it's got some pretty interesting lyrics in there. Well, let me just shoot this up. Now it's about four minutes long. So it's longer than a music clip that I normally use, but it, it, it so clearly just kind of takes us through. So many songs have been written about making money. I mean, I, I did just a quick scan. There are hundreds of them. It's such a central issue. A lot of them make fun of it. A lot of them discourage it. Hey, here's Bachman Turner Overdrive with the full lyrics that we use as a theme, taking care of business.
edition of taking care of business i've never played that entire song in the podcast before but um is a matter that we are today talking about making money going to come back to some scriptural principles for how we view that but in that song the guys are taking care of business working overtime because they're doing work that they love and in that case it's they're self-employed i love to work at nothing all day they're saying the work they're doing doesn't seem like work because it's something you really enjoy doing. That's been the underlying theme that I've been using for all these years on the podcast. And when I open the segment and close at the end of the segment each each time with this is our quest to find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, fulfilling, and profitable. Yes, we expect it to be profitable because if you have work that is fulfilling, meaningful, and purposeful, Chances are money's going to show up again, often in unexpected ways. That's just what happens. Now, the article that was put up that referenced some of the principles out of Steve Sabold's book, How the Rich People Think, prompted over 6,000 comments. I want to read you just a few of these. Again, it made my skin crawl. Now, if you are someone who hates people who have money, if you despise people who are rich, then this whole conversation is going to offend you. Frankly, I doubt that you'd be listening to my podcast. I doubt you'd be listening to the 48 days podcast or involved in the 48 days.net community. If in fact you have those attitudes, here's some of the comments that were put up when there was this distinguishing about the difference way that people think poor people and rich people, rich people have a complete disregard for people in general a sociopathic tendency, if you will, where they completely lack any ethics or morals when it comes to making money. It's all about the money, not the people that may be adversely affected. It's an acquisition. Another comment. This article makes me sick. The writer is a snob trying to glorify his own greed, gluttony, and selfishness. Another one. Apologist and shill for capitalist parasites everywhere. The rich could not become rich if there were no poor. Now, see there again, that's a clear revelation that this person has a scarcity mentality. They believe there's a set quantity of wealth. And if somebody has some, somebody else necessarily has less. 
Okay, again, the comment, the rich could not become rich if there were no poor. Wealth is an unequal distribution of the products of labor, and basically the working class are still the slaves they have always been. If you look at the rich and their activities, they do not produce wealth nearly so much as they are concerned with accumulating wealth. This process does not function if burdened with ethics, concern for the environment or the future, or whether it causes suffering to others. To acquire is to win, and winners decide what is important and what is not. Somebody says, I'm too busy with my average life to care about how the world class lives theirs. I believe in a lot of the same things the rich do, but I'm still average. Playing the cards I've been dealt and happy with it. Good for them, good for me. Here's another one. The real moochers are millionaires and billionaires who pay a lower tax rate than working people in large corporations that earn billions in profit and pay little or no tax. Now we could go on with that forever with all the debate currently about tax structure, the political issue. I won't go into that. Here's another comment. Now check this out. While they probably got the rich people's mentality, right? Not being one, I wouldn't know. Their idea of the mentality, the average person is way off. Some of us think like they do, but are not ruthless enough or influential enough to get rich. Okay, they're the requirements in this comment, commenter's mind. You have to be ruthless in order to get rich. Some of us hold the rich with contempt for being so stupid that they concentrate their paltry brains on something as worthless as hoarding money. And our inadequate educational system has some of us so far behind that we don't really know what to think. Really, if you put your mind to it, if you put your puny mind to it, you would understand that there is not an average person. Now listen to this same person here. He said, you know, rich people are ruthless, stupid, inadequate, have puny minds. He says, Beauty and peace and kindness are much more valuable than money. Money does not buy these. Why not try to hoard them instead and see if those goals are not more satisfactory? How do you hold out beauty, peace, and kindness as goals in anybody's life if you harbor the resentment and hatred and cynicism that this person has already expressed? How about this one? Thank God for Leona Helms and Donald Trump. Without them, I wouldn't know what a large pile of manure looked like as I walked, as it walked and talked. Successful and prosperous often come from an unfairly gained advantage or more luck than what the author admits. Here's one. Jesus was right. Rich people are evil. How about this? You might be poor because that's just the cycle of poverty, how it goes. Your parents are poor. They can't provide for you. Then you're poor. Your children are poor. Their children are poor. And it keeps going when you might be poor because really nobody cares about you. They only care about how rich they can be and how you're lower than dirt because you guessed it. You're poor. And because you're poor, you're lazy and competent. You just didn't take advantage of the nothing you've been given. Now, how many people do you know? I mean, do you know anybody who's family was poor and now they're doing quite well my goodness i mean pick up a book like the millionaire next door by thomas stanley i mean i know lots of people i mean most of the people i know who are wealthy came from poor families you're safer you have a better chance of being wealthy coming from a poor family than a rich one statistics show us if you're rich oftentimes the mentality of gaining wealth has never been developed. I mean, I'm grateful for how I was raised. I mean, I remember when my dad bought one 
Guernsey cow, one cow that we milked by hand. That was our livelihood. Had a little farm, a little garden where we raised most of what we needed. My Christmas presents in my entire life up through high school usually consisted of a new pair of blue jeans. That was my one pair of blue jeans for the upcoming year. I don't talk about that in a resentful way, but I also am very convinced that I wasn't trapped. I wasn't trapped there, obviously. Being raised in extreme poverty like that, and ultimately my dad did pretty well as a farmer. But it was years after I was already long gone, but it turned out because of farm prices increasing and him being faithful and just continuing to work hard, ultimately that turned into a nice little nest egg that took care of them, mom and dad, in their retirement. Here's one comment says you don't know how it feels to be poor until you lose everything overnight become one of those poor people never look down on those less fortunate than you because someday you may be one of those people you always think it's easy to climb to the top guess what not in this economy it isn't i can't even come up with thirty one hundred dollars to get my teeth pulled after losing it all in may well again have you ever known somebody who lost it all and came back well certainly I mean, I talk openly about the time in my life where I woke up one morning and owed $430,000, much of that to the IRS, rest of it to other vendors who I thought deserved being repaid. And I set about to figure out a way how I was going to do that. I was worse than poor. I was worse than broke. I was deeply in a hole. I knew I needed to figure out something extraordinary if I was ever going to see the light of day again. Here's one. You're full of it. The rich get rich because they do it on the middle class's backs. Behind every fortune is a crime. Wow. I mean, I'd cringe when I read this. Behind every fortune is a crime. So take your rich folks who produce only misery and greed and shove it up your left armpit. Here's one I'll end on a rather gross one here. Rich people are greedy assholes who use their influence in government to get even richer by screwing those who have morals. Well... Please leave your comments in the podcast notes. Go to 48days.com, click on the podcast, leave your notes and comments after listening to this podcast, if you've stuck with me this far. And this whole thing just makes my stomach turn in some ways to see people's attitudes about money. Now, where do you think those people are going to end up? The people who have those kind of attitudes that hate those who are wealthy. Will they ever be wealthy? No, not a chance. I mean, our thinking precedes our reality. I'm convinced of that. And that kind of thinking is going to close off any door of opportunity that a person may have. Now, again, there's verses. I'm not trying to just theologize this whole conversation. I think there's a lot of common sense principles. And I see a lot of people who have just, who have good morals, good ethics. They work hard. I mean, my goodness, the guy who does our landscaping, our, our yard work here has been doing it for 12 years. Wonderful, wonderful guy. I mean, I, I, I mean, I would leave all the doors to our houses open, anything. I mean, I trust him totally, totally. I mean, if he wants to use my truck, my tractor, he can use it. I mean, I trust him completely. He's ethical in what he's doing. I mean, he started with nothing. He got to the point where he had $600 to buy his first truck, bought a truck, built his business a wonderful business on a cash basis as he grew served people well and that's exactly what he's done he's served people well 
and money has showed up more and more and more. In Malachi 3, a verse that a lot of you, if you have a faith basis, are probably already familiar with, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it in that principle of giving. And it comes back. Who do you see people? Who do you see who gives more freely? I mean, is it the poor or is it the rich? Who thinks about money more? Who's obsessed with money more? Somebody who has a lot or somebody who has nothing? Well, frankly, my observation is it's the people who have nothing who think about money. They're obsessed with money. Everything revolves around money, how to get more, have more, get something given to them. And they're obsessed with that. People who I know who are wealthy don't sit around thinking about how they're going to get another dollar, how they can take one from somebody else. They don't. They live lives that are enjoyable. You know, we hang around and do things that are just fun together. It's not a constant obsession with money like I see often in people who have none. And this idea of giving more, it's not a trick that we play on God to give more, expecting that we're going to get more in return. It's just a principle that we know works. I saw Rick Warren on Pierce Morgan this week. Pierce was asking him all those deep questions that those talk show hosts like to do, but Rick didn't back away from anything. Of course, Rick a few years ago wrote purpose driven life, a book that sold millions and millions of copies produced tens of millions of dollars for him. There's no secret about that, but the principle that he had in place about giving freely was already in place before he ever had that money. He and Kay, when they were first married the first year gave 10% just what they thought was a scriptural principle. The next year they gave 11, 11% of their income. Their income didn't go up dramatically, but they gave 11%. They continued up to 12%. At this point, and he didn't go into a lot of details, but at this point, he says they give 91% of their income. They give 91%. Does that sound like a greedy man? Well, he's got a lot of criticism because that book unexpectedly made him a lot of money And immediately people take the defensive. Just be clear your thinking is going to lead you into what it is you experience. Again, in the Bible, we're told that Abraham was described as very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Somebody who pleased God. God, Job was a man of great wealth and Solomon was granted riches and honor unparalleled among the kings of his day. Proverbs again tells us the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and it describes really what is a pretty simple work ethic. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Can I didn't really have set out a goal of just talking about this particular topic. There are plenty of people out there talking about it. Plenty of people, you know, like Dave Ramsey, who are experts in this whole issue of biblical understanding of money and how to accumulate wealth. Lots of others out there. We see people like Bill Gates who, whose work business created a lot of wealth, obviously. And now he's giving that away. I think in very responsible ways to make the world a better place, doing things that 
all of us should wish that we were able to do. And that comes as a result of having more wealth at our disposal. Well, I'm just going to wrap it up with that. This is again, just an in-between kind of shot here. Something a little different turn for 48 days online radio. Normally I answer your questions. I'll continue doing that next week. If you got a question, shoot it in. If you got a comment about this, go ahead and shoot that in. Just go to the podcast link at 48days.com. You can submit your question there. Be happy to entertain that or talk about a little bit more about this issue. How do we see wealth coming from the background that I did very poor in a very legalistic Christian background taught that there was a lot of dangers about wealth. I haven't just rejected all that. I haven't just totally turned that on its head and decided, well, heck with that. I'm going to just be rich no matter what it costs me in terms of eternal consequences. Not at all. I'm very concerned about eternal consequences. I'm very concerned about stewardship of anything that God allows me to steward, to be responsible for. And it's that approach that keeps opening up new doors of opportunity for me. And I've never been more excited about a new year starting than I am right now, anticipating the new year and all the new opportunities that I see. Yes, in this economy. Yes, with the current politicians in power. Those things are small factors. The real determinants of our success are not what happens in the White House, but what happens in our house. So I encourage you to make this the year that you're going to do the things that you want to do. Accomplish the goals, the big goals that you want to set those goals high. Take a chance at not hitting them, but stretching yourself nonetheless. Hey, here we are listening again, taking care of business. We talk about that every week right here. Again, as we are part of this growing group that is finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, productive, and profitable.